Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you, you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and they worshiped. Let's pray. Father, you have given us Jesus. You have given us your spirit. You have given us everything we need and more. And Lord, you are intent on seeing people from every tribe and tongue and nation lift high the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, you are spreading your gospel through faithful men and women and students and children all over the globe and you are at work. And God, what an incredible privilege that we have to be a part of this local expression here in this place, to be called in this place uh, into our spheres of influence and to represent Jesus Christ and to one by one, person by person, be a bright shining light of love and hope in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we are unbelievably privileged. And now we get to worship you and we get to hear your word and we get to pray together and eat together and fellowship together and celebrate communion together. Lord, what, what a joy. And um, God, I pray this morning would truly be honoring to you. God, I pray as you open up your word that it would truly transform us, encourage us, change us, form Christ in us. God, I pray, big picture, Lord, would you help us be a healthy church so that people can know you and we can shine brightly right here in this place that you've put us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, Village Church. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, for those of you who are newer with us, uh, my name is Michael Fueling. I'm the lead pastor here at Village Church. And today I have the joy of, um, of preaching and opening up God's word. First, we have a, a, an announcement for you. <clears throat> um, parking lot. You ready for it? Monday, July 30th, parking lot deconstruction and reconstruction begins. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. <laughs> I'm like... Pretty much done with this current parking lot and uh, sort of want to go out and like take sledgehammers and bash it up. But Monday, July 30th, A&A Paving, they're going to be here. They're going to destroy everything, rebuild it, expand it, create a new entrance off of Devon, which I spatially have no idea where I am. I believe Devon's there. Um, so it'll all look a little bit different and um, it'll all be from the ground up brand new. Um, also, we go into no debt whatsoever to pay for this. Um, and so this is just another huge blessing and uh, grateful to God for that. So just uh, set some realistic expectations. Um, so when it's done, there are a few things that are going to be done over the upcoming months and year. One of them is this entrance over here that you come in on, the one that is closest to Devon. Um, that's still going to be there, but next year we're partnering with the city of Bartlett to get that removed and to close that off. Also, um, when this is all said and done, you're going to see that there will be no shed. There's going to be a big concrete square in the ground of which um, the men of our church are going to build uh, basically a much bigger garage and shed to store all of our stuff. So that's going to happen throughout the months of, Tim, would you say August, September-ish, around that time frame. So when the parking lot's done, you'll see that, and then you're going to start to see the men of the church go to work. Sound good, Village Church? Uh, you'll get an email, I think sometime this week, with kind of all those uh, details, and then uh, we'll be letting you know if there's any kind of parking issues in the upcoming weeks on a Sunday morning, if you have to park someplace else. Uh, it should be fine. They told us it would be good. Uh, but you know, you never know the future or what's going to happen. All right, uh, open up your Bibles with me, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. As you're turning there, I have a quiz for you. Can you simply and clearly answer the following questions. Now, this is rhetorical, so don't answer these out loud, okay? But in your brain, can you simply and clearly answer the following questions? Number one, why do dads exist? So when God, when God conjured up the idea of a dad, why did he make them? Simply, clearly. All right, number two, why do moms exist? So God conjures up the idea of the mother, right? I mean, God could have had all of us be born in little pods, but he didn't. He created a mother. Why? What, what, what was he doing? Simply and clearly, as succinctly as possible, why did God do that? Now let's shift directions in a completely different way. At your job, what does your boss specifically expect of you? 
Can you answer that simply and clearly? Let's take a totally different direction. In the game of baseball, it's game on, so why not? In the game of baseball, what is a pitcher's job? Now, if you're in these roles and you cannot answer those questions succinctly and clearly, what are the chances of success? Minimal to zero, correct? Now, I wanna ask a question, and we're gonna spend uh, much of the morning talking about this question. Why specifically does the local church exist? Why, why did God decide to create local expressions of Christians in different cities, sometimes multiple in the same city? Why did God do this? Why does the local church exist? So first, here's what I wanna do. Take out your sermon notes. You can take some notes on here. I wanna bring some clarity to a question. The first question is, um, what is the church? Now, uh, theologians and scholars and pastors and Christians, we answer this in two different ways. There's two different ways to answer the question. The first is the universal church. Very simply, this is all true Christians everywhere throughout history. Um, So was Paul in the universal church? The answer is, Yes, all right, was a fifth century Christian in Ethiopia, were they part of the universal church? The answer is yes. Are you a part of the universal church if you truly trust in Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. Now let's get to the second category and this is where we're gonna focus today. We have what's called the local church. The local church is a specific community of Christians who worship Weekly. It's a specific community of Christians who worship weekly. Now, here's a, here, here's a question. Um, will you find, quote-unquote, Christians in a local church who are not a part of the universal church? It's a trick, isn't it? Uh, what we find when we read the teachings of Jesus is that there will be people who profess his name but are not truly saved, right? So they might be in a local church, but they not, might not truly be filled with the Holy Spirit, have trusted in Jesus Christ. And so what you find is in a local church, just because somebody professes the name of Christ does actually not mean that they have truly trusted in Christ. And if you've been in a church long enough, you know exactly what I mean when I say that. Uh, In a local church, you're gonna get a combination of unbelievers, seekers or searchers, true Christians, and we'll we'll just say um, people who think they're Christians, but they're not. Um, The universal church, though, is all people who have truly trusted in Jesus Christ throughout space, time, and history. Now, when we think about a local church, um, uh, there are five ingredients to a local church. Uh, So, for example, if you have just a Bible study, is that a church? Well, of course, the answer is no. You might be the church, but you are not not a local church. And so there are five ingredients, and this is something for you to understand when you think about churches and where you go and how they function. Uh, Number one, churches have ordinances. If you come from a Catholic or liturgical background, they might call them sacraments, but this is baptism and communion. Um, Part of what the local church does is we participate in these gospel-reflecting, Jesus-pointing activities on a regular basis. Uh, Number two is your structure. Um, Biblically speaking, in a local church, you have a structure. You have elders or pastors. That's a a synonym in scripture or overseers. They're all pointing to the same kind of person. So pastor, elder, overseer. And uh, you have deacons in scripture. And then you have what's called just a member, um, a part of the church who is committed and all in there. And so you see there's leadership in a church. Now, if, if you go to a church and there are no elders, is it a church? No. Uh, if there's no, they might call them shepherds. They might call them something else. But if there is, if there is no point leadership team in that place, uh, it's not a church. Churches have structure. Uh, number three is worship. They gather regularly. The people of God for thousands of years have met together weekly to worship and and sit under the teaching of God's word. Um, what we do here goes back thousands of years from the Jews to the early church to, uh, to today. This is a long history. We gather, we pray, we worship, we sing. This is what the people of God do. Uh, a true church has a pure, true gospel. Um, is it a true local church if they believe people go to heaven by being good? The answer is no. They might celebrate ordinances, they might have structure, they might have worship, and they might even have number five mission, but if you don't have a pure gospel, you cease in God's mind to become a local church. You can call yourself anything you want, but my biggest concern is, what does God believe? What does God think of that place? And so number five, you have a mission. 
You have this desire to make and build disciples who make and build disciples. And so what you see is that the church is supposed to be a replicating and duplicating engine of disciple making, okay? Um, At the end of the day, this is what you should expect of a local church. These are the ingredients that make something a local church. Now, I want to continue on. I want to ask this question again. Do you know why the local church exists? We know what makes a local church, but why specifically does this church exist? Why are there a bunch of local churches in Bartlett and in Elgin and Streamwood and all over the globe? When God conjured this up, why did he do this? And this morning, that's what I'm going to get down to. Uh, I want to ask one more question before we get into this, because today we're launching a four-week series called Healthy Church. We're going to be looking at a healthy church's mission, which is today. Next week, a healthy church's culture. The week after that, a healthy church's leaders. And then the week after that, a healthy church's members. Uh, so I I want to explain why we're doing this, and first I want to do this by asking you a question. Um, I want to ask you to be vulnerable for a moment, uh, just to give you a little forewarning. I'm going to raise my hand in the affirmative when I ask this question. So if you're concerned about being too transparent here, let me just, let me tell you, this applies to me. Would you do me a favor? Would you raise your hand if you have been painfully wounded in a local church in the last 15 years? Now, do you understand why we're doing this? So let me ask a, a second question. Don't raise your hand. This is, this is just rhetorical. This is you in your mind. How many of you have had to go to professional or lay counseling because of an experience that you have had in a local church? My guess is about maybe one-fifth or one-sixth of the people who raised their hands have actually needed to go to some kind of professional or lay counseling just to navigate the stuff that you went through in the context of your local church. For some of you, it might have been Village Church of Barlett. For some of you, a different church. Maybe you moved here. Maybe you moved churches. Um, Let's look at the big picture. Um, Why? Uh, Unhealthy churches hurt people. Unhealthy churches make coming to Christ really hard. Unhealthy churches slow down, should just say slow down, the global mission. Like Jesus is up to something big. He, is, he wants to see followers of Christ in every tribe, tongue, nation, right? All over the world, all over the globe. And unhealthy churches slow down the process. But let's look at the converse, healthy churches. This is what we want. Healthy churches heal people. Healthy churches make it easier for people to come to Christ when there are less barriers, when the gospel is clear, when there is a community of unity and joy and true affection and brotherly love amongst a group of people, it makes it a lot easier for people to come to Christ. Healthy churches accelerate Jesus's global mission. Here, here's what you have, Village Church. This is what we have together right now. We have an incredible opportunity in the midst of an evangelical church that is an absolute crisis in our city, in our community, in our region, in our nation, and globally, where churches are struggling and infighting. We have a beautiful, compelling opportunity to pursue health. We have an, an awesome opportunity that as we pursue this, that we make it easier for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We take down these roadblocks. Most people are, are so frustrated with Jesus because they hate the church and the way they've been treated in it. But Ville Church doesn't have to be like that. Um, we have the opportunity to accelerate what Jesus is doing globally here in this place, in our relationships, in our sphere of influence. I'm telling you, one of the biggest disasters to happen to the local church is us fighting our lack of unity. There's so many other sin issues that go unattended. And I'm telling you, we are not perfect. Can you please give me an amen on that one? There's a lot of sin in this room because we're all here, right? But that does not mean we are um, designated or resigned to unhealth, disunity, lack of joy, infighting, and bickering. That, those are not necessary. You, you give me a bunch of followers of Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit, and if we come together on a common mission, we can overcome a lot of that. Now, let me be straight, okay? Like, if you're here in this church, are you inevitably going to get hurt by someone in this church, even if it's the healthiest church in the entire world? And the answer is... Yes, you didn't say that with enough like, like passion, right? Are you gonna be hurt by somebody in this church soon enough? Are you gonna be let down, disappointed, frustrated, irritated, right? Yes, that, that is absolutely 100% gonna happen to you in the healthiest of all churches. But here's my desire. My desire is not that Village Church would be the best church in the entire world because we're not, nor will we ever be. 
My desire is that we would steward well this place, this opportunity, this community, so that when God gives us the opportunity to see people come to faith in Christ, we don't put stumbling blocks in front of them. When God is ready to draw somebody to faith in Christ and to open their eyes, that when they walk through the doors of our church, we're not putting stumbling blocks to what God is doing in their life. Um, mission is the subject of this morning. What is the church's mission? Why does it exist? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we aiming at? And uh, if you don't know what you're aiming at and you just randomly shoot, you will never, ever hit anything. Um, what I want to help us do is be laser beam focused. I want to help us understand exactly what we are doing. So point number one in your notes, the local church's job description. The local church's job description. Job descriptions are very important to me. I believe that the job description for the local church is very personal to Jesus. If you want to frustrate Jesus, ignore his job description. It is personal. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, this past week, um, I... Uh, put together four different job descriptions at Village Church, edited them, updated them. Uh, and so I, I'm like putting my heart and soul into these things. And, uh, and so I am passionate about these job descriptions. Why? Because each of these jobs um, represent a need in our church and all of our job descriptions, mine included, work together so that we can serve people and fulfill the mission that God has given this church. And when one job doesn't work, the whole thing begins to struggle. So every job description that I make is very, very personal to me. Like I didn't just sit down and I'm like, ah, I'm bored, we'll have them do this. And I'm ah, bored, we'll have them do that. I got to keep them busy, so we'll throw them over here. No, like if you ever have an employee or if you have somebody report to you, you know this, that job descriptions are really important, and when people neglect them or ignore them or disregard them, it's frustrating. Uh, it's just a reality. I think for Jesus, job descriptions are incredibly personal, and so we need to know, we need to know what this is. Uh, every local church has the same big job description. It's in Matthew 28, okay? Um, but every local church has a different way they apply it. So I'm going to help you understand the big picture of the mission, and then I wanna help you understand what we're doing at Village Church. Every local church, their mission is both generalized and contextualized. So first, let's talk about the generalized mission. Now, can I be honest with you for a moment? No. Every time, and I mean every time, uh, this is a, probably like a spiritual issue. I don't know where like the, the wound point is for me in this, okay? Every time I go to a church or see a podcast or see something, and they say they're preaching on the Great Commission of Matthew 28, I walk away, I zone out, I don't pay attention, I don't wanna listen, got it, got it, got it, understand it, all good. It's just, like for me, it's just this weird thing inside of me. I've spent probably more time in this text than I have the vast majority of other texts because uh, especially as a group of elders, we wanna make sure as we're leading, we are crystal clear with the mission of the church. We want our mission to be Jesus's mission. We don't wanna stray from it, right? And so I've spent an inordinate amount of time in this text and there's like this problem Probably really, really um, ridiculous part of me that's just like, okay, been there, done that, heard that, been there, done that. You know that feeling when somebody opens up a text you've heard a thousand times? And so uh, here's one of my desires. My, my desire uh, is to encourage you. It, it is to maybe even show you one or two things that you have never seen in this before. Um, but mostly, if you are a member here at Village Church, we got to get on the same page. And it is okay to say the same thing over and over and over again, especially when it is essential to everything we're doing as, as a church. So here, here's the context. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, Jesus has spent time with the disciples. The resurrected Jesus Christ has showed himself to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Rome is in chaos, and Jesus goes to the mountains of Galilee, and he tells the disciples, meet me at this place, and Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's about to leave the earth. He's about to go so that when he leaves, then the Holy Spirit will be able to come. These are the final orders. These are the last things that Jesus has to say. In verse 16, here's what we have in Matthew chapter 28. Now... The 11 disciples went to Galilee. The 12th, by the way, is Judas. He is dead. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. And, and I, love, I love this line. But some, what's the word? Doubted. Some doubted. I don't know how you could see the miracles. I don't know how you could see the resurrected Jesus. I don't know how you could see Jesus walk through walls. I don't know how you could see all of this, but here's what I love. Um, they, all of them worshiped. 
even in the midst of their doubting, even in the midst of their struggling. And doubt is not a disqualifier. I love this. I'm just so encouraged that even before Jesus gives the mission, here's what he knows. He's gonna talk to a group of people who don't really feel up to it, who don't really know if they're all in maybe even. Like they are, but they're struggling with this. And so I know I'm sitting in front of a group of people and I'm gonna remind you of the mission of Jesus. And here's what I know because I know the Village Church really well. I know the Holy Spirit has a lot he needs to convict many of us on in this room because we as individuals, by and large, are not pursuing the Great Commission. And don't assume you even know what I mean when I say that. I'm saying, I have watched Village Church. What if every adult had one person that they were pursuing or discipling personally? Let me just tell you, this place would look drastically different. So before you write off Matthew 28, right? Before you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my faith. I don't know if this applies to me. Um, Jesus is about to give a very direct, succinct, clear job description, not just for the church, but for each individual in the church. Whether or not you are doubting, if you profess Christ, if you're in this place, I just wanna encourage you, you have a job. And that job might look contextually different for each one of you, but you have a personal responsibility here. Notice who Jesus is talking to. He is talking to the guys who would leave this place, who would ultimately travel all over the world and start almost every single local church or be the origins of every local church that has ever existed. Like he's talking to guys who are going to literally revolutionize the world. And he's gonna make this thing clear. Whether you go to India, whether you go to Spain, whether you go to the North Americas, it doesn't matter where you go. The church has the same job description everywhere you go, everywhere you go. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, he's gonna pull the authority card. Have you ever had to pull the authority card, right? You know what I'm saying with your kids? Okay, uh, I had a, a leader once who told me authority is like a bar of soap. The more you use it, the less you have, right? Great leaders, they don't need to lead with authority. They usually can lead with influence. But sometimes there are things that are so central, they are so important. You have to get people around and say, I am telling you, and I'm pulling the authority card, you will do this. Okay, so here's what you need to do. You need to get out of the disciples' brain. You need to get out of the elders. Hey, you elders at the village church, you need to lead the church better. Uh, for a moment, we, we take this very seriously and we're open to feedback. This is what you need to do. You need to stop looking at other people and you need to look inwardly. And here's what you have to understand. Jesus is pulling the authority card with every individual he is speaking to. And every follower of Christ who will read this, he's pulling the authority card because there are some things so vital and way too important that if we just neglect these things, the whole organization, function, mission, agenda begins to crumble. He's gonna demand three responsibilities. These are not options. I have, have I said that enough? These are non-negotiables. Are you a follower of Christ? If the answer is yes, let me just encourage you. You have three incredible opportunities in front of you. Number one, is go. Verse 19, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Grammatically speaking, you've probably heard this, it's as you're going, it's this verb tense that implies as you go throughout your life. Uh, I don't care how you define it. Here, here's the fundamental um, opportunity of every single person in here. Help people far from God trust in Jesus. Help people far from God trust in Jesus. Uh, I have a simple paradigm in my personal life that I, um, that I use. It's called three Ps. Um, who am I praying for that doesn't know the Lord? Um, I can't control whether or not somebody trusts in Christ, but I can, I can pray for them because God is the one who has to do that. Um, who, pray, who am I in the middle of pursuing? Who am I just trying to open up a spiritual dialogue with? I, I don't want to be manipulative, but um, I, I pray that God would open up doors for me to talk to people about Jesus. Uh, and then who am I in conversations with about the gospel? Who's actually wrestling through it and struggling with it? And uh, these are like three simple Ps that I use in my life just to make sure that I am going out of my way to help people far from God trust in Jesus Christ. Now let me be clear. If somebody doesn't trust in Christ, is like my friendship over with them? No, my love for them, my enjoyment of them, my commitment to them has nothing to do whether or not they trust in Jesus Christ at all. It has nothing to do with that. But I'm praying that God would actually do a, a huge move in their heart. So pray, pursue, persuade. This is partially how I do this. Uh, go, make disciples 
of all nations. And I love this, that baptism is connected. If you trust in Jesus Christ uh, and you have never been baptized, I wanna just strongly encourage you, uh, attend our class next week um, because this is a part of obedience to Jesus Christ. Here's the second part. Grow. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. If you are a Christian, you have an awesome, awesome opportunity um, to teach. Now, you, here's what you're going through in your brain. I'm not a teacher. I am not talking about doing what I'm doing right now. I'm not even talking about doing what maybe a lot of our pastors or teachers and leaders in this church do when you go to Bible studies or community groups. I'm not talking about that. The idea of teaching here is that you are giving them information and you're showing them how to obey it. So think about your children, okay? Um, You might be a terrible teacher, but do you teach your children? Please say yes. Come on, people. Come on. All right, good. We're alive here. We're awake. Don't sleep on me, okay? All right. You teach your children. And uh, here's what you do. Uh, Your child is stealing. What do you do? Stop it. Don't steal. Here's what you do. Here's the right way to do it. Invest, right? How many of you are teaching kids to invest? No. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you teach them on a regular basis. It's about showing people. It's very practical. It's very hands-on. In the 21st century evangelical church, teaching is primarily a public thing done by a person who has a gift of communication, right? And practically speaking, in the day-to-day life of a believer of Jesus Christ, it does not happen because you're opening up the Bible and doing a formal Bible study with somebody. It happens as you do life with them. Uh, Here are some of the things that Jesus' disciples would teach other people how to do. Um, How to forgive your enemies. How to forgive your spouse. How, How to raise up a child. How to love a wife. How to love a husband. Like there are very practical things and when somebody is new to the faith, like you may not know a ton, but they know less than you. And you have this opportunity to meet with them and talk about practically speaking what's going on in their life. And here, here's what we, we find, it's knowledge plus obedience. If you were to really double click in our mission statement about what we mean by grow, um, these are the things that we are feeding. These are the opportunities that we're walking into, the obedience that we're taking. These are the uh, times we're spending in God's word. These are the times that we are pursuing other people and helping them and growing them. This is why we have so much opportunity in kids ministry and VBS to help other people grow, to teach them, here's what Jesus wants for you. I mean, this is something that is so practical that every single follower of Christ can do. Number three, overcome. Here's what he says. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, if, I mean, just encourage you. If Jesus ever sits down with you and says, I'm with you, be very scared. <laughs> because the only times he says this is when he is sending you into something impossibly difficult. Now, don't get me wrong. Is Jesus always with you if you're a follower of Christ? The answer is, Yes, but this most oft-repeated promise to the follower of God all throughout Scripture, when Jesus looks at you and he says, I'm with you, it's because he's sending you to the wolves. He's sending you into something that will expose you, that will seek to crush you. He's sending you maybe to a mission that might, might require you to kill sin inside of you, say no to opposition outside of you, overcome sin and patterns deep, deep, deep in your heart and your family, right? When he says to you, I am with you always, here's what he is saying to you practically. There is nothing you cannot overcome. When you double click on this, this is one of the most important parts of the mission because we can't say make disciples who go grow and God's always with you. Um, That is true. But what he's trying to get through to our thick skulls is that, yes, what I'm asking you to do is impossible, but you can conquer. You can kill the sin inside of you that tries to hold you back. You can resist the temptation from outside of you that tries to lure you in and make you impotent. You can conquer the evil one through faith in Jesus Christ. You can overcome. So when you double click on this, that's that's what this means. And so Jesus looks at all of us and he says, here's your job. Go, make disciples, grow, teach people how to actually obey the teachings of Jesus, know what it is, and then apply them. And then you let nothing stop you. Nothing at all. Because he's with you always. So here's my question for you. Who are you helping to know and follow Jesus Christ? Who are you coming along to help them 
know and obey the teachings of Jesus. And what sin or what obstacles are in your way and are you overcoming them? So if we're gonna be a healthy church, I wanna I want come back to this. It comes back to not just our elders articulating a mission. It doesn't just come back to our pastor teaching a helpful, interesting message on the mission. If we are gonna be a healthy church, it requires us being the church and doing the mission personally. Uh, I don't know where the Lord has you. I don't know what your next step is. Uh, I don't know what the spirit is convicting you on. Some of you are awesome on the go part of it, but you have nobody in your life that you're investing in any way, shape, or form. Some of you, you are being crushed by your own internal sin, by your own family history, by your own habits and patterns. You're being crushed by every source of, of opposition that stands up against you. You're not doing any of it because you haven't even first learned to overcome. And here's what I have to say. Like, we would love to help you. Like, we would love to help you overcome so that you can begin to do these things. Let's go to number two, Village Church's job description. First a warning, and then we'll do some training. Three adjectives come to describe notoriously the vast majority of churches that have been around for, I'll just say, a while. You start a church, there's an initial excitement, there's momentum, eventually a church gets established, and this is when the church so easily can become obsolete. Here are the three words that I have found have been temptations of village church to all of our history and most churches that I know. Number one is lulled, number two is aimless, and number three is inbred. Anybody want this for your church, by the way? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, we got one guy, he's like, yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah, this is my dream. I want to go to a church that's lulled, aimless, and inbred, right? Lulled, the members are easily lulled into the false reality that the primary mission of the church is their comfort, happiness, and personal growth. I come to Village Church, I am in this community because I am the most important person in this room. Which, which by the way, most of you are never going to say, but I want you to hear me. If you're the most important person in this room, you will not be going or helping other people grow or helping other people overcome. So that's how you know it. If you're not going, if you don't have someone in your life that you're trying to help follow Jesus, if you don't have someone in your life that you're helping to obey Jesus, okay? Let me tell you this. Like, you are lulled. You are in a, you're in a mindless, staring out, zoned out, like, space spiritually, and that is not God's desire for you. Number two is aimless. The mission is forgotten easily, especially in light of conflict, preferences, and consumerism, a lulled Christian equals an aimless Christian, and your greatest desire when you are lulled and then move to aimlessness is very simply, I want what I want, give me what I want, I'll go to the place that gives me what I want. Inbred, this is a funny word, I love it. The same few people retain control on the ground and from the air, repeating the same old failed approaches and replicating the same old failed culture. This, this, is, this is one of the greatest threats to village church and the antidote to this are the individual members of village church going, growing, and overcoming. I don't always, I don't always find it fair or unfair to look at an elder board and say, this church is like this because of you. Let's just say we all play a significant part in whatever the problems are in this church, Correct. And at some point, a church comes together and we collectively say, here is our unhealth, personally, not just as a community, personally. I have failed to be a goer and I am contributing to the lack of health that actually negatively impacts the life of people in this building, in this community. Uh, some of us need to personally own, I, I am not helping other people grow. It's interesting because the, the mission is not all about me, like, I'm gonna grow myself, although that's really important. It's interesting because the mission is about you helping other people. Isn't that, isn't that profound? Let me tell you about my experience just as a teacher. Uh, <clears throat> my um, knowledge of God's word, my experience with God's word, my experience with God interacting with his word um, grew exponentially when I became responsible to give away God's word. That if, if I was not a teacher, I, hands down, would not be as knowledgeable of God's word maybe as I am, right? And that my personal giving away of God's word has been one of the, if not the greatest catalyst to personal growth in my life. Here's what, here's what you're gonna find. Do you wanna grow spiritually? Give something away. 
That will be actually, I think Jesus is a genius. He didn't say, go read your Bibles, go pray. He said, go teach someone else. Go help someone else grow. Uh, get involved in a group. Get involved in a men's group or a women's group. Go serve in student ministries or children's ministries and help on Sunday mornings, lead a children's ministry, community group, and give, give something away to anybody. Find your children. Get them around. Give it away. Give God's word away. Give God's practices away. Give away this stuff. And as you give it away, you know what you're going to find? You're actually personally going to grow in the process. So consistently in scripture, by the way, um, the greatest threat to local churches, it's not the newbies, by the way. It's not the people who start attending who are brand new. It's not the people who just come to Christ. Do you know historically who the greatest threat to God's church is? People who've been there a long time. If you've been at Village Church for over a year, you might be one of the greatest threats to healthy church here. Isn't that interesting? This is, this is why I want to put the burden on everybody. I don't want to just walk away and say, the elders, you know, what, I mean, we love each other. We have a unified um, relationship with each other. We feel very clear-headed. Uh, in fact, we have loved the experience of the community. And maybe you're hearing me and you're thinking, is he addressing some kind of like specific unhealth at Village Church? I'm actually not. I'm more just calling it out and saying, consumer church dies when the members of a church go, help people, know God, help people trust Christ, when they grow, when they help other people grow, when they overcome and help people overcome sin. You want to overcome porn addiction? Come alongside of somebody else who's knee deep of it, right? You want to overcome deception? Help someone else overcome deception? It's powerful. When you engage in someone's life and help them overcome, it helps you kill the sin inside of you. It's powerful. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. That's why they say people who do marriage counseling, your, your marriage always gets better when you do marriage counseling with other people, Right? Because it's really hard to sit there and pour into someone else's life and then go home and be a jerk to your husband or wife. Jesus is a genius. He understands how people change. We change by giving away our lives and helping other people. Now, a local church's mission, it's both generalized and contextualized. If you're new here, this is like a great opportunity maybe to hear our heartbeat a little bit, hear what's going on. You might wonder, why do we do VBS? And I know every church does it, but like, why is it a really unique passion point for us? And, and I want to help you understand that. There are five aspects. And so those of you who are looking for church or you're trying to figure out where the Lord wants you, I think this is going to be really helpful for you to understand. When you go to a church, you need to like clarify these five things, okay? Uh, these are five aspects of a local church, uh, their context that's going to determine their emphasis. Number one is the doctrine of the elders. These are the ingredients to a local church's mission, the doctrine of the elders. What, are the, what do the elders actually believe? If you go to a church and their passion is the social gospel, let me tell you this, they are not going to be very interested in seeing people convert to Jesus Christ. Uh, it's just not going to be a passion of theirs. Their passion is only going to be to meet the physical needs of those on the ground. Right? And so you have to understand that the doctrine of the elders and how they think you need to get your head around that. Number two is the maturity of the believers. This is the uh, spiritual maturity, the ability. Like for example, uh, I'm not gonna come to Village Church and say in the next eight months, we're gonna plant three churches because honestly, the body, the members, the maturity, the, whether it's the physical maturity, the spiritual maturity, like we're not able to handle that right now. And so our mission, how we contextualize this here at Village Church of Bartlett is really contingent on who's here and who's not here. Number three, the blessing of God. Let me, let me tell you two questions I am asking all the time about Village Church. What fruit is God bearing and what doors is God opening? What fruit is God bearing? Where is God moving? We have tried a gajillion things in our church um, over the last 40-some years, and uh, many of them fall flat on their face. I would rather try and fail than not try at all any day. Um, but sometimes you try something, and the Lord works, and you try it again, and he begins to open doors and to bear fruit. One of the, one of the best things I could ask you to do for me is when you see God moving, tell your leaders, tell me, because we want to see what God is doing and be able to respond to that. What doors is God opening? Number four, the needs and culture of our city. The needs and culture of our city. Number five, the passions, the passion of the, the lead pastor, senior pastor. Um, I do think that's really important. Um, I'd love to say, like, my personal passions and calling had no bearing whatsoever on the future and the, the vision and the context of our church. But we see throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that the point person in charge, that God puts things on their heart and gives them passions. David, God put in his heart to build the temple. Nehemiah to build the walls. Paul to the Gentiles. Peter to the Jews. We could go on and on and on, but that's also a very real part. It's good to get to know your, your senior pastor, your lead pastor, and say, what really drives you? 
um, because that person is gonna profoundly impact the future and the mission of the church. Uh, I wanna help you understand um, how I would answer the question about what fruit is God bearing and uh, what doors is God opening. Uh, Here's the first one, it would be families. Um, it, It seems that most everything that we do to try to reach out to kids in our community, the Lord just opens the doors and he bears fruit. It's actually really unique and interesting. Even even to the point where our local outreach ministry, you'll notice that so much of their emphasis has been on kids in our community to reach out to them, to love them, to love families. Um, This is more than just a door that God has opened. This is an area where God is just bearing a ton of fruit. Uh, And then the byproduct of that is ministry to parents and grandparents. uh, To be able to watch three generation families come to Village Church and to serve them um, because of the fruit that God is bearing with kids, he's opening up massive doors with parents and with grandparents. Uh, Number two, um, something that God has done in Village Church has been this this, uh, subject of healing. Because of all the topsy-turviness of the evangelical church in our area, we've had a lot of people come to Village Church who are hurt. Um, We've had a number of people come to Village Church who have never been a part of a church. Uh, They've been unchurched or de-churched, but they have these pain points with a local church. And we've been able to have a lot of people come through our doors over the last few years, and we've been able to see God do some really amazing healing. We've actually found that for some people, Village Church is a place they land for like four or six months just to kind of heal, level out a little bit, get their heads straight, and then the Lord sends them someplace else. And, And we count it an absolute privilege to be a part of that process with people. Um, If you ever get to go out with me um, personally and you wanna sit down and hear my personal story um, with my ministry and healing um, and how God has worked there, um, feel free, I'd love to share that with you, but way too long for our sermon. Um, Number third is podcasting or digital media. Um, Now I'm gonna start talking about doors God is is opening. Um, In the past like month, I'll be in these random places and somebody will say, oh, we listened to the Q&A podcast. I'm like, I've never met you before. And they'll be like, Pastor Tim has like the greatest like radio voice ever. And I'm like, I know, it's like, I sound like a little girl and he sounds like a grown man. It's really frustrating. Almost everybody actually comments inevitably on Pastor Tim's voice. It's funny, uh, as a compliment and uh, not to me. But, um, but I meet these random people on a regular basis and I, I don't even know a person who knows them. Uh, we find in our metrics that God's opening really cool doors with that. So as a church, we're just walking down that path and seeing you know, what the Lord could open up for us on that level. Um, and that's not just all about me. It's different avenues from kids to student ministries. And you might wonder why a church our size has so many podcasts. Well, because uh, we're trying to enter into that space because the Lord is beginning to open up doors and see what he would do with that. Uh, retirement communities. This has been interesting because uh, you may I know this, but the Victory Center, about a mile down the road, we have a weekly worship service over there. Uh, there's like anywhere between three and 15 people a week, is that fair to say, who come to it? We have teachers who go there every week, and uh, we serve them, and, and uh, now a new opportunity has opened up at Claire Oaks. We already do a weekly Bible study. Claire Oaks is the um, retirement community right over um, off of Devon, right across the street here, and uh, we're starting a monthly worship service, I believe this month, or is it this month? We started it this past Thursday? Awesome, awesome. We started this past Thursday. I know nothing. And um, in case you want to know, <laughs> it's trust. When I trust you, it's being done. It's good. Um, but uh, so those are some really interesting doors where we have this really incredibly needy and lonely group of people and we have the opportunity to enter into their lives. And um, the Victory Center started because a man in our church who was new after about six months, his wife was seven years into Alzheimer's and uh, they had to move into the Victory Center and she couldn't come to church anymore. And so he basically said, I'm gonna start a church here. And uh, he opened that opportunity up and it's been going um, ever since. And it's like one person just asking and uh, the Lord opened up the doors. And so those are some things that we're really excited about. Church planting and adoption with uh, Village Church East. This has been something that the Lord opened up for us, just gave to us on a silver platter and uh, so excited about the future and what the Lord would have. And, and uh, we just have gone before the Lord and said, if we have the opportunity to help a, a church that's dying or to plant a new church, Lord, would you give us that privilege, that opportunity to replicate um, the health that is in our, our, our church and the clarity of mission and doctrine and, and the unity and the brotherly love that exists here. If you give us that privilege, Lord, that would be our joy. And so um, I would encourage you, pray with us that the Lord at the right time would open up not just the opportunity, but the human resources and the financial resources. Um, because here's, here's what you see. <clears throat> the Great Commission was given to 11 men who interpreted this as go plant churches. 
not just go make disciples, but go build churches. And it seems that part of the necessary byproduct of making disciples is that inevitably new churches rise up. Here's some upcoming mission fields in our church. Um, this may be weird to you, but um, we're watching some trends and some inevitable things happening. Uh, we call this activating transient retiring bo- baby boomers. Um, basically what's happening is the boomer generation is on the cusp of retiring, if not already retiring. They're traveling a ton, but they have so much to give for the kingdom. And so how do we activate a group of people who are rightly so and understandably traveling, taking care of kids and grandkids and doing a whole bunch of different things. It's a unique time of life, the greatest concentration of wealth in all of human history is bound up in the baby boomers. And so how do we activate this season where they have unusual opportunity and ability and free time? And, and this is coming upon American culture and the church. And, and so we're just watching this happen. And this is one of our desires is we don't want people to retire and then just be aimless toward the church or aimless toward the mission. Um, calling up college students. We find Gen Z is the next generation. In the next five years, they're gonna be entering and going into college and graduating, and we wanna call them up to something greater. Um, We lost so much of the millennial generation uh, in the local church in their 20s, and we believe as a church, at least in this place, we can do a much better job of preserving the next generation so that we don't lose them to the battle of the culture. And so calling them up as they get into college, especially as that generation of students don't go away to college because of the bloating prices of private and public education, um, probably inevitably the whole education thing is going to pop. And so what we're going to find is year in, year out, more and more kids are going to be home. They're not even going to be moving downtown so much anymore. They're going to be localized and centralized, and we want to be ready to respond to that. Training Gen Z, this is this next generation. We put an incredible amount of staff and volunteer effort and time into this generation um, because we believe that God can do incredible things with this generation, and we believe if we can get on the front end of some of this stuff, we don't have to see what happens to them happen, what happened to the millennial generation happen to them. And I think you understand practically what I'm saying when I say that. Gen Z, most of them are gonna be around 18 to 20 years old and younger. Let's say you have a five-year-old to 18 to 20. That's the generation we're roughly talking about there. I wanna close with five things. Do you see where God is bearing fruit and the doors God is opening? Can I, can I tell you how a lot of this stuff, like how we see it? We see it because on the ground, people who are watching God move celebrate that and tell us. I think one of the most important things a healthy church can do is that when the mission is accomplished, someone comes to Christ, somebody is growing, somebody is repenting of their sin and overcoming, a healthy church celebrates these things and we get to hear about it and we get to watch and see what God is doing. Can you jump on board with us? Uh, here's what this means. It, do, it doesn't mean you go like stand in a soapbox at a secular university with a, with a bullhorn and proclaim the gospel. What it means is you find ways to help people meet Jesus. It means you find someone and you take them under your wing and you help them grow, which comes to point number two. Who's your one? Who's just one person? I think this is the best place to start. Pick one human being. It might be your child. That's of infinite value. It might be a neighbor. It might be just one of your best friends. Who's your one that, it doesn't mean you gotta get them saved. It might be one that you just help grow in their faith. It might be just somebody who's already a Christian. You come alongside of them. You say, I want, I want to help you grow. Who's your one? Number three. If asked, would you leave the comfort of Village Church of Bartlett and plant something new? I want to let that question linger because there is a difference between your calling to this church and you being a consumer. I want to tell you one of the, one of the things I've put before the Lord regularly. I love Village Church of Bartlett. Love it. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to retire here. I know you're like, oh God, no. But like, I'm like, I want to be here, okay? It's not my choice. It is up to Jesus. And if Jesus says, Michael, go, I go. It's just that simple. I don't care where, it doesn't matter where I want to be. It matters where the Lord puts me. That rhymes. That could be like a thing. It doesn't matter where I want to be. It matters where the Lord puts me, right? That's what matters though. Now don't, I'm not trying to like prep you for something. There's no like secret conversations happening. Don't worry, right? But like, but I exist to obey him to go where he calls, period. So do you. There's no difference. And so, 
we might have an opportunity in the next three, five, six, 12 months to plant another church. What if it's in West Chicago? What if, what if it's in Huntley and you live over there? I don't, I'm just, I'm making stuff up at this point. Don't like read into anything I'm saying. We will tell you what we know when we know it, okay? We don't try to hide things for a long period of time and then surprise you. Not, I don't think that's healthy either. So, um, but like, would you be willing to like sacrifice and do set up church for two years to see a new church start? Would you be willing to do that if that's what the Lord wanted? Everything in you says, no, my people are here, my friends are here, I love it, da, da, you know? And I just wanna say, that doesn't matter. What matters is what Jesus asks you to do. And I think one of the best things that we can do for this church is to say, stop demanding you be where you wanna be and start saying, God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to be? Finally, number four, will you help Village Church be a healthy church? Like from where I sit, you have been one of the most life-giving communities I have ever experienced in my entire life. I want other people to experience that. But I think we can accelerate this if individually and personally we go, we grow, and we overcome. Let's pray together. Father, the mission's really personal to you, and we confess that the culture of church in America can lull us to sleep. We confess that even the joy of corporate worship can leave us aimless. Lord, we confess that we can be so passionate about reading the Bible and praying but not actually taking steps to give it away and to pour into other people. God, I wanna, I wanna personally thank you for how absolutely life-giving this place has been for me and so many other people. And Lord, at the same time, um, I've been hurt and wounded and frustrated, and I know I speak for most everybody in this room who's been here for longer than two weeks to say that is, that is just a reality of being a part of the people of God. But God, I thank you for the love that believes all things, bears all things, endures all things. I thank you for that. It's just such a beautiful thing here. I thank you for the constant encouragement of the people of God. I thank you for the, just the joy of being a part of this place. But would you convict us, help us take the job description even more seriously? Show us what that next step is. God, would you give us the privilege to grow in health and be a place of even greater healing for people who come through these doors in pain? And Father, above all of this, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for giving us salvation, us broken, ridiculous, rebellious, unhealthy sinners. You give us salvation and healing in your spirit and you make those of us who are broken and you start forming us into the image of Jesus. We're really genuinely grateful. Lord, as we turn our hearts to this communion table, would you fill us with even more gratitude? Where might we be had you never intervened into our lives? It's an unimaginable thought. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.